So, yeah, all about branding, all about the good stuff. We are recording. Craig right. Cyphers. Hey. Welcome. Ryan Holmes, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for being here, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, you're, you're relatively new to the real estate industry, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, just, just shy of 40, uh, just shy of 40 years, 40, <laughs> 40 years. Yeah. The changes shy. you've seen in this Valley, I'm sure. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Across the board, across the board. I mean, yeah. I grew up here myself and yeah. my earliest memories of Hamilton, there were two stoplights. Yeah. Fairgrounds and, or sorry, uh, golf course and main street. And main. Yeah. And town ended at about Kmart. Oh yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure it was a little different in your day. Yeah, you know, and I never really realized it until probably the early, well, the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was hard to get on uh, Main Street in Stevensville. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they didn't have a four-way stop or stop sign. And to get across, and I was, at that time, I was working in the South Valley, Mm -hmm. so I always left fairly early in the morning, so I didn't catch the traffic. Gotcha. And and then after about 2004, when I was you know back living down there and working down there, I was like, holy cow! You can't even get on the highway. You can't take yeah. a can't take a left turn. You know, you still can't. So yeah. th- some things don't change. No, that's true. <laughs> or get worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't get me started, man. I hear you. I, yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been interesting growing up here. You know, my family. Um, we moved to the valley in 1966. Okay. And I was seven. And uh, my dad was from R. Lee and my mom was from Polson. And um, dad moved us to Stevensville, which was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, my sister was a senior in high school and she was not happy. Um, <laughs> in fact, she decided that she was going to go on an exchange, uh, program to Mexico. And so we got an exchange student and my sister's 10 years older than I am. Okay. And so there's quite a little gap. My, my parents had two families. And where were you guys before you moved to uh, the Valley? Arlie. In Arlie. Yeah, okay. Arlie. The big metropolis of Arlie. She was and upset for moving from Arlie to yeah. Steve. Well, well, she, she was all, leaving her friends right, and okay, exactly, I can understand that. Leaving her friends and. And so she decided she's going to go to Mexico for mm-hmm. her senior year. And by the time she got to Stevensville and realized, well, this is a pretty good deal and, and met some friends, then she didn't go to Mexico. Ah. <laughs> but our exchange student came, and I'm still in touch with him. Oh, yeah? But anyway, that's a whole oh, other cool. story. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Long-lasting relationships. Absolutely. There you go. That's what it's all about. Eight, seven, five, well, yeah, you're working on 50-plus years, I guess. So what, what brought your family to Stevie? Well, my dad um, was a lumberjack. Uh, I've got a long story about Loretta Lynn being a coal miner's daughter. I was a lumberjack's mistake. That's why there was a difference <laughs> of 12 years between my s- oldest sister and myself to the day. Wow. And then 10 years to the other one. So it was kind of like, huh, surprise, surprise. And, um, but, he, but he got uh, what was called at that time tamarack poisoning which was a allergy to the pollens. Okay. And so he had to get out of the timber. And he went to selling um, insurance. Interesting. And then he became extremely successful at it. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the firm that he was very instrumental in starting in Missoula was called Larry Larson Associates. And that base firm then later became Western States, 
Okay. And then Western states, of course, merged with Terry Payne, and that's what you call Payne West. And that's kind of a bit of the history of, of insurance in Western Montana. And Payne West is a big operation now. But my dad decided to leave Larry Larson and Associates in Missoula and um, bought a little agency in Stevensville. Mm-hmm. And part of that was Enabo Agency. Um, Oscar Enabo was the principal, and he sold the insurance part but kept his real estate practice. And my dad became a broker by sending paperwork into the state that says, I'm a broker. Mm-hmm. And then he became a real estate broker uh, in the Valley in 1966. Yeah. So, wow. so we say... Cypher's family real estate since 1966. Nice. It's true. There you go. Yeah. So it was that easy back then. You just send a, send a yeah. letter. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah. I'm a broker now. Yeah. There you go. All right. We believe you. Yeah. Uh, how times have changed. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So he was very instrumental in doing a lot of real estate as well. Very, very, very heavy into the, um, the insurance side. Mm-hmm. But he loved real estate. And um, so, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I... I Grew up in Stevensville then. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of a fun story relative to real estate is my, my my parents bought a house there called the Bass House, and the Bass House is kind of an iconic yes. historical yes. structure that was um, designed by A.J. Gibson, a very iconic uh, architect in all of Western Montana. Did the Missoula County Courthouse and and also the the. Um, uh, of Daily Mansion and, and others, and they built that house. The Bass Brothers built it in 1909 is when it went, finished up. Cost them ten thousand dollars to build it, um, which was a considerable sum of money. And my dad bought it in 1966, fully furnished with antiques. Wow! For twenty-two grand, not bad. And my mother sold when she sold the house. We sold it to. Um, a retired uh, NFL football player by the name of Russ Francis who played for the Patriots and uh, won a Super Bowl with the 49ers. But Russ, when he was 36, bought that house. Mm -hmm. My mom sold um, a number of the antiques out of it for more than they paid for the house. So that was a good investment, I guess. Not bad, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. But to put it in perspective, I sold the house to Russ for 165 grand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and ni- that was 1989. All right. Yeah. A little appreciation there. Yeah, a, a little bit, not much when you think about, you know, and you know, 1909 at 10,000 and then you take a look at it. Yeah, I wonder how much that is in in uh in modern US yeah, dollars. Yeah, you know, and I think I, I, I think I've uh, tried to figure it out at some point and I don't remember the deals but you know, the Basses sold it to one other gal. Her name was Mabel Hutchins-Smith, and they sold it to her in 1959. I don't know what she paid for it, but you figure mom and dad paid just double for it in yeah. in 66, which wasn't, you know, quite, you know, 50, well, it's almost 60 years. Uh, it only appreciated um, a little more than, you know, a little more than 100%. Now, I mean, not too awful long ago, it sold for, you know, mid-700s. So mm-hmm. we've had a pretty big uh, run in, on the real estate side over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Not just the last 30, 40 years, but the last three years yeah, as well. I, well I yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. That is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, there's been, there's been some massive changes there. Yeah, absolutely. 
globally and and locally. Yep, very much so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what transpires in the long run. But having said that, um, yeah, I was uh, so I hung out in Stevensville. Yeah, went to school there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was eighteen before I realized I was free to go, so I left. Where'd um, you go? Well, I ended up going to school in, in North Carolina to a little school called Duke. Um, but prior to that, I had been really toying with the idea of being a uh, disc jockey. And there was a school in Spokane called Kinman Business School. Okay. And they had a DJ program. Mm. And they had a recruiter. And the recruiter's name was Bud. Uh, interestingly enough, his last name was Weiser. <laughs> no so, way. Yeah, Bud Weiser. And so did he, did he change <laughs> that or was it? Oh, well, I, I, not that I know of. I think that no one really will his, ever know. That was really his name. But um, and I had been talking to him about this DJ program because I was always a jokester. And if you go back, you can see, you know, things in the school paper. And then I, I hosted or emceed a variety of school programs. And um, so I kind of got into that. Uh, and so I'm thinking, you know, that. It might not be a bad thing for me to to look into because I kind of like that. I can see that for you. And uh, but as it turns out, I got accepted to Duke, which it, it wasn't as hard as it is now by any means. But by the same token, I think part of it was, well, I know part of it was that um, they wanted a cross section of, of kids in America, and sure. there weren't that many kids from Montana that applied, um, and I. Uh, was a very good student, um, you know, near the top of my class and involved in, you know, extracurricular activities and community service and things of that nature. However, my SAT scores were like pretty much in the toilet. (laughs) And I'm apparently not much of a tester. In fact, I think my SAT scores were sub 1100. Oh, so, yeah. And you still got into Duke. Got into Duke. Look at that. See, dreams are possible. Well, exactly. And the thing is, is that I, it's only because of where I was from. And there was another gal from Billings that got in. So there was two kids from Montana. And she ended up uh, changing schools. And I can't even remember her name now. But, yeah, so I, I spent um, my my first uh, two years at Duke. And then I was in love with someone that I didn't want to lose. So I went to the dean. And I my uh, I was I was doing – I was an oceanographer. Uh, well – I wanted to be an oceanographer, so I was taking geological oceanography classes. Okay, and, uh, and and so went to the dean and outlined my thought of going to the University of Montana, so that I could be in Missoula with my girl, and at the same time have all my credits transfer back to Duke. And so I took a whole bunch of geology courses, which was really phenomenal program at the University of Montana. Mm-hmm. And um, then I took some econ classes, and I, I, I took some drama, too. I mean, you know, I mean, real drama classes. I mean, not, Yeah, they have a good they, program up there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I, I've got some drama in my life, but not, you know, <laughs> not, nothing you can get credit for, right? Well, you know, <laughs> it'll, it'll make a good biography one of these days. Yeah, yeah we can only hope. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to the dean, and... She gave me the go-ahead to go ahead and take you know this series of classes okay. that I put out with the idea that I transfer everything back to Duke 
my senior year so I could graduate from Duke, and that's what I ended up doing. So it was really right cool. Right on. Yeah. Glad it worked out for you. Yeah. Went to the University of Montana for a year. Had a wonderful time. Uh, ended up marrying my girlfriend, and uh, um, we have two children together. And, uh, yeah. The rest is history. Well, kind of, yeah. Well, kind of. <laughs> Living history. <laughs> yeah. Still around. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So I was. I actually got a job uh, as a geophysicist. I couldn't spell it, but I was one. Well, <laughs> you got the degree. It's on the degree. You can always yeah. copy it off of there. Well, right? I wanted to go to law school. Mm, okay. And I wanted to be a, 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 a resource a, attorney really involved in, in the law of the sea at the time. They were th the situation where you have these landlocked countries mm -hmm. that weren't getting the advantage of the resources of the sea. And some of those things were like mining, deep sea bed mining. Okay. They'd have, you know, nodules, manganese nodules, which were really heavy in all sorts of uh, amazing minerals, manganese, of course, being one primarily. But, uh, and I'm not so sure you wouldn't have had a lot of rare earth uh, minerals, but... It didn't turn out to be um, economical. And to be a, a geological uh, physicist? Well, no, the, the mining oh, oh, okay. element of it. So, And also there were the powers at B, which were you know, the big you know, G7 or 8 or whoever they are, yeah. that kind of put the law of the sea, which was a UN kind of initiative, on the back burner. But I really wanted to be a... a um, a resource attorney, mm -hmm. and so I felt well. If I learned a little bit about you know the resources, then I could be a better resource attorney. And then I got offered a job as a geophysicist from Texaco. Oh, okay. And so I didn't go to law school. I went to, to New Orleans, and uh, yeah. I was uh, a geophysicist for the offshore exploration division there in, in New Orleans. What in year New was Orleans. this? Arrived July 4th, 1981. Wow. It was 98 degrees and 94% humidity. I believe it. <laughs> I moved out of that state, out of that city. Um, oh, in, you, oh, is that right? In mid-June of 2010. Hustling oh, homes. Man. I didn't know that you were living in New Orleans. Yeah, that's where I did my uh, internship when I was in culinary school. Oh, wow. Well, that makes sense. Down in, down in, in the Big Easy. Where were you working? I was working at a restaurant called Stella. Stella, yes, <laughs> Stella and Stanley. Ah, be done. And I don't, I don't think they're around anymore. But well, this that's was, a good it, place to get some it, uh, background in food. It was interesting for sure. It went lots of tons of good food. I tell you what, K. Paul's, Commander's Palace, Commander's Palace. Oh yeah, that was where and, Emerald and, was at when I was there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. Good grub. Good stuff, yeah, and there's and tons of new restaurants back then. I don't know if there what's around there anymore. There's a place yeah. called Boucherie that I really loved. Um, I just yeah, all all the barbecued pig you could possibly want. Oh yeah, crawfish, crawfish, oh, yeah. crawfish, Craw classic crawfish boil. Yeah, oh, I know, love, I love that it. stuff. Yeah. So, I, I I do wish though that I had been able to get there before Katrina because this was in 2010. Oh, and so yeah. this was it was a different city than. Yes. Than See, what I, I legend tells. Well, I haven't been back. I think the last time I was back was, well, it was pre-87. So it's been a long time. But yeah. I've got good friends who, you know, still live in the area or have businesses in the in the area. Okay. Yeah. So my daughter Erica was living in Houston not that awful long ago and spent some time 
in in the Big Easy. It's a fun city. Oh yeah, and oh. particularly then, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Still, I mean, even even when I was there, you know, there was far less people than usual. I mean, than, oh yeah, than right. Pre, pre uh, Katrina, Katrina, but. Man, music everywhere. Oh, you just yeah. go walking down the street. It's a live show, like every other block. I mean, I got lucky too because I was there um, during Carnival. Oh yeah, the right. lead up to Mardi Gras and the Saints winning the Super Bowl. Ooh, that's got to be huge. That I've never seen. I've never <laughs> seen a larger impromptu party in my life. When we were there, see Archie Manning was quarterback. Um, uh, the, the coach now escapes me, but we would actually wear paper bags over our heads and we called them the ain'ts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty much a dry spell in, in New Orleans for, for football then. But, but uh, Carnival, very, very definitely a lot of fun. I've taken in you know four of those in my lifetime. And, uh, and, and talk about the music, one, yeah. one of the local hangouts was a place called Tipitina's. And the house band at Tipitina's was the Neville Brothers, so oh you could just roll down and wow. catch Neville Brothers. There you go. And uh, I actually took in the Stones at one of their big. Con- I think that was the um, Waiting on a Friend tour, and they packed the Superdome. I think there was eighty thousand of my closest friends there. Wow. Yeah. That's a show. Yeah. Right yeah. on. So yeah, Louisiana was fun. Yeah, I'd l- I would love to go back. Yeah, been- I, I would too. Yeah, I would too now, for sure. Now that I'm a little, well, I'm older, maybe a little less dumb. I don't know if I'm wiser, but definitely not as not as crazy as I was when I was living down there at the time. Well, it's a I it's a dangerous that. city, man. Now, were you, know? you living <laughs> in New Orleans itself? I was. I was living up. Um, oh, I got to try to remember the neighborhood, the in the Marigny. So I was in Metairie. So, but we had to come to work every day in the city down, I think it was down the on uh, Poitras. So, it was if you if you take Esplanade Avenue, yeah, out of the French Quarter, yeah, it was you go almost all the way up before you hit whatever the next large crossway was. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't either. I mean, what the you know, name you've was, got, but you've got St. Charles runs into Carrollton, but that's on you know like. Uh, East End. They made a TV show about it too. About oh, this, that right? about this district? Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, I remember the 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 way to work too. I mean, I'd pass under the under the I whatever that is. I can't. I can't. Ten. I ten. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'd pass under I ten, and right there, there's like this art house, and there's always yeah. this weird stuff happening there. Like <laughs> they had these like this built this tree house with all these lights and everything in it and there's always parties going on there and that kind of stuff and i can believe it yeah and see in, in the ninth ward they would say where you at where you at and then they go down to ottoman zoo and they'd be all axing about you mm-hmm. and you had the big chief during mardi gras boom 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 yeah oh yeah i still remember following the following the brass band down yeah. from uh from one neighborhood to the next, yeah. Uh, that that night that the Saints won the Super Bowl, and it's just like oh, they they're just playing, and everybody's screaming, "Who dat? Who, Who dat? dat? Who dat?" And uh, <laughs> it was about three blocks into the French Quarter, the cops show up, and they're like, "Guys, you gotta like let traffic through." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta let <laughs> traffic know? through. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well, that's cool. I did not know that. See, yeah, I've been around. Yes, you have been around. I did a lot in the the ten years that I was. Not in Montana. <laughs> I kind of had this thing when I 
graduated high school, I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Well, that was just, me too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a common thing, and it's important yeah. as well. I yeah. think to to get out of where you're from for a little while. Yeah. Maybe not do it the same way that I did, where you kind of bounce around for 10, 12 years. But well, I mean, you got some also, experiences. So. I got some interesting stories. So yeah, absolutely. You know, food. food. Now you're in real estate. I know. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Well. That's how it goes. I, I, I'm, you know, and the thing is, is that I love the real estate, but it's has its moments. That's for sure. Uh, every industry does, you know. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I loved cooking and I loved working in kitchens, and it was, I can't say it was always a good time. It was, you know, it comes it with was its, work. It's work. It comes with its yeah, stress absolutely. and it's hard on the body, and I just got tired of cleaning kitchens and yeah, and uh, being at the whims of a ticketing machine. I hear what you're saying there. So. I, ne- I honestly never thought I'd be doing this as a career, but I can't say that, you know, it was the wrong step for me <laughs> so far. It's been, it's been, I mean, I'm, I've only been doing it for a year. Well, so. that's all right. You got to start somewhere. That's right. Yeah. 35 years longer I've been doing it. Hey, you're still doing it. So that's uh, something. I am. I got, I, well, I have nothing else to do I can do now. That's. <laughs> can't that's fall back on your. Well, Geological physicism. You know, I, I actually did in 2008 because the market, uh, as oh, really? everyone knows, just went to hell. And uh, I put out my shingle, and I was uh, consulting out in uh, the Bakken in the Williston Basin. Oh, yeah, okay. So uh, it was a little different work, a um, lot of interesting stories. Uh, I can't say some of the things that were said to me about how did you, you know, mess up. Uh, because I was starting kind of at the bottom, but it was good. It was, it was a nice little paycheck. And I'm sure they they use the nicest language over there too. Oh, they do. Yeah, yes. It seems very, like a very very cool, amicable group. and yes. and formal professional <laughs> environment, from what I hear. Yes, absolutely. My, <laughs> that's funny. My sister was over there at that time. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. She she moved over there with her her boyfriend who was working, and she said it was just the, the what weird, was he doing. He was working at the. He was working for some fabricator over there, oh, I think, okay. if I remember correctly. Uh, he and yes, it was a interesting experience to say the least. I made that trip for seven years. Wow! And even when the market turned here, the market turned here in April of two thousand thirteen. I, I know this because I keep track of stuff. And um, I didn't. Um, actually get out of the patch until March of 2015. Mm-hmm. And so in that interim from 13 to 15, which is only, you know, what, a couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time, um, you know, my, my girlfriend who later became my, my third wife, <laughs> uh, had a little operation called CNL real estate and we, uh, we did very well. Now I've got CNC real estate. I'm working with my sister and That's my right. daughter and a couple other folks. Uh, CC&E now. Well, just <laughs> C&C. <laughs> Sorry. Er, er, yeah, we don't want to push Erica on it too fast, although she was number one. Uh, I saw that. And I'm not yeah. so sure she's not going to be number one in the state. We, I don't know if the numbers have come in yet. So you I might think we're still more. waiting. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been in the real estate business a long time. And uh, you're right. It has changed uh, dramatically over the years. You know, when I first started out, a buy-sell was, uh, we had to use carbon paper. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd, you'd, so everybody could get copies. You know, you had about three sheets of paper and two pieces of carbon paper. 
It was one sheet, uh, uh, eight and a half by 14, and all of it was there. And then they came out with the buy sell on NCR paper, which remember the pink and the yellow. Oh, the yeah, the, the ones with the little yeah, things. It just it, it just copied and, yeah. itself, you know. It was like unbelievable technology. Ooh. And then they came out with a little thing called the fax machine. We all went crazy. Blew everybody's mind. <laughs> yeah, it was great, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something f- else. Now it's what nine or ten pages. I don't even know. Ten pages. I look at yeah, it. That's just the buy sell. Yeah. Not you know counting all the disclosures and everything. So, oh yeah, yeah. But, but you know, um, one thing I can say is is that having been in the business that long, you learn certain things. Oh, I'm sure. That are not, you know, and you impart that on you know the new folks like yourself or my daughter Erica or anybody else in our organization. And and I like to point out that. Having that kind of experience is invaluable. Oh, absolutely. And being able to be a mentor to you guys is is huge, and it's huge for the client. And so um, I'd like to point that out to people because it is not something that you should take lightly. These are big numbers. They are. And it's a huge investment, and it is shocking to me to see how some people – handle their real estate transaction and who they trust them with. But having said that, I don't want to get too far uh, no, I, off I, track. <laughs> I, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, I mean, I've certainly, you know, they don't really prepare you for the actual day-to-day of it when well, you go to take the test. No. You know, you and, know it, when you, you talk about that, I think a sushi, a, a sushi, sushi? Sushi? Chef? Yeah. yeah, it's like 20 years to become, you know, a sushi. Oh yeah, guy. you're in the you're in the back making rice for the first 10 of it. Yeah. Right? But but in 60 hours of education you you can do a million dollar deal yeah. in real estate. Yeah, okay, that seems real reasonable. Yeah. I'm, it takes you more time to get a cosmetology degree in the state of Montana than it does to get a real estate license. So, yeah, they just you get the license and they just throw you out there, yeah, and there it's go, really yeah. up to the the people at the brokerage to to train you properly. And yeah, well, I I got to say I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, that, well, that I'm I'm here surrounded by all of the the knowledge and experience of the people that work here. Yeah, we got a good base, and that they're willing to to share that experience yeah. and share that knowledge is right. is really the key. Yeah, because it you know is. I'm not saying that there isn't as much knowledge or experience at other brokerages, but who knows how willing they are to well, to teach and to yeah. help and to yeah to get the next generation of of realtors the the real education that they need right exactly because there's there's a lot of complications to it and a lot of it, gray areas as well that yes. you kind of just don't really yeah know and it could be a, a costly mistake if you mm-hmm. yeah if you mess it up amen. yeah so yeah it's uh well i got a question for you yeah Uh, i hope this doesn't shock you too much but who is bob gleason (laughs) well let's let's go back to those dj times you know yeah if you're going to be on radio good chance that uh you know you might move into other elements of 
of entertainment, and um, that was always my deal. I always wanted to be a stand-up comic. Oh, yeah? I started writing comedy, you know, pretty um, regularly in 1978, and, and I just kept it. I never really did any stand-up, except for for friends, you know, mm-hmm. at parties or something. You know, one of those guys with the lampshade on his head kind of thing. Gotcha. But, little, um, uh, yeah. But I started doing it um, pretty regularly um, in, in the late 80s. By, by 1989, I'd taken a stage name called Bob Gleason, and that was from where I was doing my show, which was the lounge of the Hotel Gleason, which is, you know, for those people that might not know, was the, uh, at that time, the Lonesome Dove Flying, Drinking, and Writing Saloon. That was owned by Russ Francis, the guy that I sold my childhood home to. Oh, right on. And uh, so I started doing stand-up in there, and I took the name Bob Gleason because it was the Hotel Gleason. So I just thought Bob Gleason, Hotel Gleason. And But I was actually getting paid. I would be doing, um, uh, let's say, conventions, mm-hmm. uh, banquets, things like that. I was making about, well, the equivalent of 600 bucks an hour which wasn't too bad. Not bad. For a fledgling comic. For a traveling comedian in the 80s? Yeah. And, and, and in, into the early 90s. Actually, the way they were paying me was by 20 minutes shots. So it was 200 bucks for 20 minutes. <laughs> there you go. Hey. So, yeah, I had some good, uh, I had a lot of fun there. In fact, my first gig was by, was for a, a company called, the first paying gig was um, a company called Western Federal Savings and Loan. And uh, which I think eventually became part of Glacier Bank at some point through multiple mergers and acquisitions. But the guy that hired me at the time, his name is Doug Jensen. And Doug now is over at the Montana Board of Housing. He kind of handles stuff over there. So, oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, he was, the, he was the first one to, uh, to prevail upon the powers that be to, to pay me to be funny. And after that, then I got, I got more stuff. I still have that check somewhere. Um, frame you know, it yeah blown up you nice. know and but i kind of got out of that after my you know my um first wife and i divorced and then my life wasn't funny as funny as i thought it was and but i kept the comedy box kept all that stuff and um you'd pull it out once in a while and here a couple of years ago a guy by the name of amos parks started a, a little thing called root grown comedy and i heard about it it's open mic, and so Bob Gleason, okay. Bob Gleason was resurrected, as it were. Oh yeah, yeah. For a, for a it, period, or just for the it, night? It, no, he, he's been he's been appearing from time to oh, time. Oh good, yeah. Well, I hope I get the chance to yeah, well. check him out one day. Sure, uh, we gotta, we got to host an open mic night one of these days. Here. Well, it's it's absolutely possible, and uh, in fact, uh, I think this Friday at the Hops. Uh, oh yeah, good chance you'll see Bob. Yeah. This Friday at the Hops, Bob yeah. Gleason's going to make an appearance. That's, that's it. Look at that. All right. <laughs> so radio DJing, you got into stand-up comedy. Yeah, I'm not making a living at it. Well, you know, it's, so, a, it's a hobby, I guess, right? Yeah, that's right. At it's least you enjoy hobby. it. I do. I get a kind of a kick out of it, and uh, I haven't been half bad. Um, so, you know, sometimes you get the urge to... Write a little something and yeah. put it down on paper, and then deliver it and see how it goes. So, yeah, it's uh, it'd be a tough it 
tough racket to go make a living at. And it is challenging. It is challenging. At one time, I actually looked at that, and they were making about 100 bucks a day. Yep. And I thought, well... And that was kind of this whole thing when I was looking at the DJ thing. I'm going, uh, resource attorney, disc jockey. Let's think about this for a second. And I thought, well, I'll go for the money. But that didn't last long either. So I went into the you know, real estate, which is up and down in cycles. And sometimes you do well and sometimes you don't. Well, it gives you time to work on your comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when the market goes bad, you, yeah. Got, yeah. you can uh, shift back uh, into... Into comedy, though, yeah, it is a it's a difficult industry for sure to to make it. And I've been, I've been, I follow a lot of comedians, and it's it's kind of amazing in one round how it is one of the true American art forms. Yeah. Also, yeah, and you don't the, see a lot of comedians in Afghanistan. No, well, every, they all yeah, they all come here, you know, <laughs> to to start a stand up comedy career, and it's it's kind of amazing to see how many people are following the movement now of, oh, of stand-up. You know, if I watch YouTube, and, and Bob Gleason has his own YouTube channel, and it's not real prolific, but, you know, it's out there. But when I see stuff, because, you know, it pops up, and there are a ton of really great comics. And then, you know, in Netflix, you'll have all these specials. So yeah. there's a lot of people out there being funny. And, and I... What I've done in the past is I've been a heckler. Uh-oh. I've heckled almost every comic live that I've ever, you know, been in front of, with the exception <laughs> of Brian Regan, who I saw in Tempe at uh, Catch a Rising Star, I think. Or it might have been, yeah, I think so. Anyway, um, but my favorite one was a guy by the name of Cowboy Bill Martin, who did comedy at National Finals Rodeo. Mm -hmm. He was at... I think that was Catch a Rising Star in it and at the Atlant uh, Atlantan uh, what what is it Aladdin. Aladdin Aladdin there you go and uh, I sat right down front and I tossed him softballs and he absolutely knocked it out of the park the crowd went crazy because he just hammered me and I knew he was going to hammer me mm -hmm. and after the show he came right down immediately and said man you were fantastic he said I want to party with you and introduce me to this band from San Juan Capistrano called the Wahoo Riders. And they said, we're going to be over at New York, New York. Come on over. And so at some point in time, you know, if you happen to catch a Bob Gleason show, you may hear about that entire incident, uh, how it went down. But Bob, uh, but uh, uh, Bill Martin is still out there. William Martin is... Uh, um, he's been at it for quite a while. This when I when I heckled him hard was almost twenty years ago, um, and I'm happy to say that last February, I had the great pleasure of heckling uh, uh, Louis C.K. In, no way in Scottsdale. Yeah. And so, how did that go over? Actually, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that story too uh, sometime when you catch a Bob Gleason show. <laughs> All right, constant plugs. I love it. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Like that's making us a lot of money, right? Have to gonna have to throw up an ad on this for, for Bob Gleason. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Too much time with Bob Gleason. Too <laughs> too much time with Bob Gleason. Yeah. The next the next podcast from Craig Cyphers. Too much time with Bob Gleason. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that could be a whole series. <laughs> Five minutes, you hit your limit. Yeah. Boom. That's right. well. That's right. Then the 
<laughs> they, they just yank you. Yeah. <laughs> Shepherd's crook comes right out and grabs you. That's, that's the gong show all over again. Oh, they, you, oh you, man. I don't know. You might be a little young for the gong I've, show. I've heard of the gong show. <laughs> yeah. I've heard legends of the gong show. They had the unknown comic. And actually, the unknown comic is maybe where we got the uh, the bags for the saints, you know, because I think that's uh, what he did. He wore a paper bag. That's another story entirely. You're just full of them, Craig. Uh, I'm full of something. You're full. You're full of good stories. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, I got a few of those. I mean, you've been around since dirt roads were uh, the norm here, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and I'm older than uh, dirt roads. It was back when dirt was clean. Yeah. Kind of it thing. Was, it was clean. In fact, uh, the, all, all of Pleasant Valley. You know. Mm-hmm. You know where that's at. Of course, east of uh, Stevensville in, in Florence, dirt roads. No pavement up there. 20 acres was 20,000. And you could just split it into fives. And uh, probably at the title company, as far as I know. I don't know. Those were the days. Yep. Yeah. The Wild West of Montana. Absolutely. But we're still plugging away. And uh, so that's my story. And that's probably my time. Are you sticking to it? Yeah. Hey, we can go as long as you want. There's... Oh, I think that's <laughs> this is for public consumption. I think that's plenty for the public. <laughs> All right, we can wrap it up now, Craig. That's fine. Okay. Well, we'll have an episode two maybe in the future. Yeah, that, that that would be that would be wonderful. And maybe uh, I can get some more more stories out of you about the the Bob Gleason. It, it well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, but I sure appreciate you hustling, Holmes. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you being here. All right. It's nice talking to you. Likewise. And, yeah, I guess uh, catch Bob Gleason Friday night at the Hops in Victor, Montana. You got it. Do we have time? Uh, I think it's at 7 o'clock. At, yeah, I'm, I'm certain it's he, at 7 he o'clock. He thinks it's at 7 o'clock. So. I get there about 6.59. All right. There you go. Yeah, Perfect. But I'm not the headliner. The headliner, of course, is something in a car, but also on stage. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. All right, Craig. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And, All right, Ryan. Uh, yeah. Goodbye, everybody. See you, see you next time. Yeah. Okay.